Revelation chapter 7 tonight. Revelation chapter 7. The last song we sang is, is very appropriate for our lesson tonight. Mentioned the blood of Christ. And that's what we'd like to speak about tonight. That is found here in the book of Revelation chapter 7. I've mentioned several times in our study of the book of Revelation that when God's people are beset by temptations, persecution, or great tribulation. Now it's interesting when we read that last week, it's often mentioned as the great tribulation. The word the is not there. It's great tribulation. And we looked at uh, the apostle Paul and his great tribulation was, O wretched man that I am. And it's a constant warfare that God's people are in every day of their life. Uh, warfare, those things I would like to do, I do not do. And those things I don't want to do, those are the things I do. And that's the confession of the Apostle Paul. And he certainly speaks for the whole church on that subject. But whether it be temptations or persecution or, or great tribulation, a revelation of God's character and glory is the best remedy. And once again, in this passage of Scripture, we're going to see that God was going to comfort, is comforting, and will continue to comfort his people by a revelation of himself, by a revelation of the Lamb of God and the rich benefits that the church has as a result of the Lord Jesus Christ. And once again, he sends out his comfort to his people under whatever circumstance we may be in, and it may be that our only conflict has been our great tribulation. Our only conflict may have been our flesh against our spirit. And uh, we may not have met conflict from someone else or conflict by the sword, but to have that conflict constantly about us. And so here in the book of Revelation chapter 7, we find verse 14, And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest, and he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple, and he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. Verse 16, They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them unto living waters, living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Now we'd like to spend a little time tonight on that last phrase in verse 14, have made them white, washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. This afternoon I was in my study, I was just hoping to realize again a little more the value, the importance of the blood of Christ. And in the New Testament, there are a number of verses that we'd like to read. Now, all of the Old Testament sacrifices spoke of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, almost without exception. There were a few sacrifices that were given that were not blood sacrifices. But one of the things that we notice about every sacrifice in the Old Testament, that when that blood was shed, that animal was dead. There was never a living animal after 
the blood was shed. And all of the sacrifices throughout the Old Testament, none of them combined, all of them, could not do what the shed blood of Christ did one time. They pictured it, but they could not accomplish it. They pictured the shed blood of Christ and the work that it would accomplish, but never accomplished it, not with all of them combined, were they one step closer to redemption than the blood of Christ made in one time. From the beginning of the world, the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus accomplished more in his death, his shed blood, than all the blood of rams and goats did throughout all those years that they practiced it among, the, among Israel. The Lord had it written in the book of Hebrews that no one, it was not the blood of bulls and goats that put away sin. They were typical, figurative, they were shadows and types, but they did not make anybody better. They simply were a picture of what must be accomplished. Now here we have the, they've come through great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Very careful a number of times in Scripture, very careful, particularly when we get to the New Testament, is very careful the Lord was to specify whose blood it was that was going to make us better. It wasn't human blood. It wasn't some martyr's blood. It wasn't Stephen's blood. It was the Lord's blood. Now turn with me, if you would, back to the book of Acts chapter 20. There are a number of other times that the Lord, even in the New Testament, in the Gospels, uses the term blood. But notice here in the, in the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul was used to write these words or to speak these words with regard uh, to the blood of Christ and in uh, relationship to the church. Now, we're going to see by the blood of Christ that he has accomplished and finished a work that could not be accomplished from Abraham's sacrifice, Noah's sacrifice, Abel's sacrifice, down to the last sacrifice that was given in the temple. Now, it appears that the Israel was offering sacrifices in the temple up to and possibly including A.D. 70. And that's the sacrifices from Abel to 70 in our um, after Christ, after the birth of Christ. So all those years, the sacrifices that were given, they could not accomplish in all that, and in all that time, what Jesus Christ did with the sacrifice of himself. And when we read about the blood of Christ, we read about a finished work, an accomplished work, a work that is concluded. It is a work that is successful. Here the blood of the Lamb fixes redemption. For time and eternity, it fixes redemption. It doesn't make redemption possible. It fixes redemption. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is the only cleansing agent from all the effects of the fall, from all sin, and from the results of sin. The blood of Jesus Christ is the only cleansing agent. 
And we find it is the blood of Christ that is the only thing that will deal with our conscience and put away dead works. I, I just come to the conclusion of why people are so interested in continuing in their works to make themselves more uh, appealing to God. They've never had the blood of Christ cleanse their dead conscience from dead works. Once Christ does that, works is no longer a part, an issue. Now, we serve the Lord out of gladness and we serve the Lord out of joy, but it's not to make ourselves better before him. That's a slap in the face at the quality of the blood of Christ. Now, those Old Testament people, they worked their full heads off after the sacrifice of those animals because it didn't clean their conscience from dead works. But the blood of Christ will do that and do it without reservation. It will take care of that issue, and there is no longer any dependence whatsoever on our works, knowing full well it's the work of Christ and his shed blood. Acts chapter 20, verse 28, the apostle Paul was speaking to a group of people, and he is telling them to be faithful. And he is telling them here in uh, Acts 20, 28, he is, uh, take heed, he's speaking to these elders, take heed, Therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers uh, to feed the church of God. Now, notice this last phrase, which he hath purchased. Now, that's a finished work. That's a completed work. It's not making them purchasable. It is meaning they were purchased. They were purchased with his blood. Feed the church of God, which he purchased with his blood. This is a finished work. When we're dealing with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to be dealing along with it finished works, completed works. There is no additional requirements here. His blood means finished work. His blood means finished redemption. His blood means finished, finished, it is finished. When we see the blood of Christ, when we see his blood as it's applied in the scriptures, it always comes and concludes all work. It's a completed redemption. So the Apostle Paul was used to speak this. What wonderful instructions he left these elders, but what wonderful success he shares because of the blood of Christ. I mentioned not too long ago, oh, the most freeing thing in all the scriptures is I, nor anyone else, has to convince me or anyone else of anything. It's the Holy Spirit. Because of the success of the blood of Christ, we do not spend our time trying to convince people of spiritual things. We bring it up, we share it, we preach it, we talk about it, but it's not our responsibility to convince one person of one spiritual truth about the Word of God. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that purchased the church, and it's the blood of Jesus Christ that, convic uh, that uh, uh, puts away all sin. Let's move on here. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. As we look at the blood of the Lord Jesus, it's no wonder those saints uh, there were so uh, lifted up 
and those saints that were in persecution and those saints that were in temptation and those saints who are in um, great tribulation, how it lifts us up to find out daily expressed to us in the scriptures that he purchased the church. It's not something that's coming. It's not something that is partially done. It's not something that's left up to us to finish the work. He has purchased the church with his own blood. How effectual is the blood of Jesus Christ completely? How valuable is it? Absolute. There is nothing that will take the place of the blood of Christ. The Old Testament, all those people saw the effect of ineffectual work in those sacrifices. Now, there were people saved in the Old Testament, but they were saved on the promise of the blood of the everlasting covenant. God wrote a check for them. And at Calvary, everything was ne that was necessary for that check to be cashed and appropriated to Abel was taken care of. He promised it in the covenant of grace, taken care of at the cross, and the blood of the everlasting covenant saved Abel just like he saves anybody today. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 25, we find these words with regard to the blood of Christ. It is so valuable and so important and so encouraging to the church to know that we've been purchased. And then it tells us here, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 25, after the same manner, also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the new testament in my blood. This do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. This is the new testament in my blood. We're not dealing with the old anymore. We're dealing with the everlasting covenant, which is the new covenant. This is the blood of the everlasting covenant, the blood of the New Testament. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Lord. That is over, done, and finished. And the work of Jesus Christ has entered into a section of the word of God we call the new covenant, the New Testament. And it is through that he has redeemed all his people. It was not by the blood of bulls and goats. It was not by the old covenant. It's by the new covenant. And he said, this is a symbol. Now, I don't know how big it was. This big, this big, I don't know. But this is a symbol of my blood the everlasting, the new covenant. And the church has said, oh, I knew there was better than that old. Never could get there. Never could get there. Sacrifice after sacrifice, and people brought their own sacrifice after sacrifice and never saw the finished work except in the blood of Christ. They looked forward to it as we look back to it. In the book of, of Romans, Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 5, it tells us here, backing up just a little bit, in Romans chapter 5, we find here that we're, and this is so valuable, oh my, the church needs to know this, and this is what encouraged those saints. This is, how does God correct his people today? Does he lift them up? I saw a teacher Mr. Dobry, he was my third grade teacher. He grew up in Malin, 
got to meet him a long, long years later, got to eat at his table, enjoy his fellowship. But he was my third grade teacher, and he picked up an eighth grader by the belt. And he suspended between heaven and earth, feet off the ground, and Mr. Dobry, with his hands as big as a ham, come and collided with his glutamus maximus. <laughs> and he's swinging in the air like a pendulum. Bing, bong, bing, bong, bing, bong. Tears running down his cheek. He didn't dare cry. He's an eighth grader. Sat down. Do you think he had any more trouble with him? Never. To this day, I visited with that guy at my brother's funeral, and he still remembers being between heaven and earth. <laughs> oh, you know what? We need to know that we're out of wrath's way. The church needs to know this. And we can know this by the blood of Christ. Old Jerry Penner met Mr. Dobry, and he was not out of wrath's way. But the blood of Jesus Christ takes us out of wrath's way. God's wrath against us. Here in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 5 and verse 9, it says here, Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. My goodness, thank God. I know what I deserve. That's one of the things that the everlasting covenant reveals to God's people we know what we deserve. We deserve the wrath of God. But by his blood, he took all our wrath. He shed his blood, took all our wrath on that tree. He put himself between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and every one of his children, and took every dart, and every spear, and every sword, and every bit of justice. And you know what he did? He saved us from wrath. And those saints in the Revelation time and the saints in the Middle Ages and the saints back there in the Old Testament era when God the Holy Spirit revealed to them that the blood of the Lamb will save them from wrath, they could sit under their vine. My God's not mad at me anymore. He was mad at Adam. Hung him out to dry I was thinking about God putting Adam in a, one of those great big slingshots like the cartoon Jews, you know, and just shot him away because of his sin. He pushed him away, got rid of him, if you please. Spiritually, he died right there. But because of the blood of Christ and all the wrath of God was placed upon his son, his blood demonstrates that we will not face wrath. We can meet God on good terms. We can come under the Son's apron strings, if you please. We can meet him in the Son. And here, as it says, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. That's this wrath. How, how does God judge his people today? Does he pick them up like Mr. Dobry? You know what he uses on his people today? His word. That's what he uses on us. That's how he corrects us. My goodness, if every time we fell down, God's beating on us. Now, he purposed that. I agree with that. 
But God corrects his children through his word. He speaks to us through his word. We know his displeasure by the word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It's his word. He didn't literally pick us up and throw us over the brow of a hill. He uses his word. He corrects us with his word. He speaks to us. And he speaks to us out of love and compassion. He speaks to us as children. He speaks to us. And his blood has saved us wrath. His blood was shed in wrath. The father's wrath was poured out on the son. And his blood was shed in wrath. Turn with me if you would to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. We've read this many times. I just, I just fell in love with this verse all over again. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says here, redemption. When we find the blood of the Lamb, when we find the blood of Christ, we're going to find a finished work. We're not dependent on anything. It's not up to us for anything. We don't have anything to add. The blood of Jesus Christ means finished work. When he presented his blood, as he says there, he has uh, entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. He, by his own blood, has redeemed a people, and that is a finished work. It is redemption that is redemption. It is a purchase that actually purchased the object. It is a finished work. He didn't put a down payment on it. He didn't put us on layaway. He finished the work and redeemed us. Notice here, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. It says, in whom we have redemption. Complete, full. In whom we have redemption. How? Through his blood. It's a finished work. It's no wonder those saints are shared with us in Revelation chapter 7 as being in bliss. God's people even today can spiritually be in bliss to understand that his redemption is actually redemption. Redemption carries with it the idea of purchasing a slave. And it is total purchase. We never have to be taken back to the old master again. What was our master? Sin. What was our master? Adam. What was our master? All things that are evil and wicked. Those are our masters. And here Jesus Christ and by his blood has redeemed us and purchased us and made us accepted in the beloved taken us away from our old master and given us to another. And our master is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we find that the apostle Paul was so tickled to say, I'm a bondservant of the Lord. I was a slave to sin. I was a slave to self. I was a slave to Adam and to all he stood for. Adam imputed to me. Adam, my federal head, gave to me. And in Jesus Christ as my federal head, he has taken me out of that and redeemed me from it and placed me in the church of the living God by his own blood. The blood, life of the flesh is in the blood. We're talking about the life of Jesus Christ was laid down as a ransom price, a payment price for the church 
There in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7, finishing that, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. It's no wonder God's people just can't hardly stand it. Redemption and forgiveness of sins. When we deal with the blood of Jesus Christ, we're dealing with a finished work. Nothing left to do. Finished work. The work is finished. In chapter 2, verse 13. Chapter 2, verse 13. We read this. The blood of Jesus Christ has made us nigh. Now, in Adam, we were flung to the farthest part of the universe. God loaded us in that slingshot and shot us away. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 13 the scriptures say this, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes were far off are made close by the blood of Christ. Finished work. What does that mean? That means that God in his great work of redemption has brought us close to him. In fact, so close we're grafted into Christ. So close we're looked upon as Christ. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. God looks at his son and sees us. It's inseparable. The church is inseparable with Christ. He is the head and the church is the body. Inseparable. God looks at his people inseparable from Christ. And it's the blood of Jesus Christ that has made us nigh or brought us close we were far flung to the corners of the universe and God in his effectual work and call brought us from that. The Bible talks about it, the swine yards. The Bible talks about it as, as Mephi- out in uh, Lodibar. The Bible talks about it as place no bread. All kinds of ways God talks about it in the scriptures of where we are by nature. But it's the far flung parts of the universe. And God in his effectual love for his church has drawn every one of his people from there. And brought them nigh so close in fact that they have become as part of his son. He doesn't look at us as a separate entity. He looks at us as the body of Christ. And I'll tell you what, that just makes me happy. There's such good things about the blood of Christ because when we find it, we're going to find a finished work. It's completed. It's over. Redemption. He's the redeemer by the blood. He has finished work of forgiveness of sin. It's over. It's complete. I know we sin every day, and it, we're not forgiven because we get down on our knees and ask God to forgive us. We're forgiven because of the blood of Christ. For Christ's sake are we forgiven. We're never forgiven for getting down on our knees and pleading to God, forgive us of our sins. We're forgiven for Christ's sake, and that's the only reason. Now, he stirs our heart by the word of God, and we come down and we ask God for forgiveness, but it's for Christ's sake and his blood that our forgiveness is worked out and effectual, and it was done at the cross. There's no work after that. Christ is not going to the cross again. He paid for every single solitary sin that we'll ever commit, even after we're saved. Paid for him at the cross. And when it's all said and done, God's people, the church of the living God, will not answer for one sin before the Lord Jesus Christ 
And when we see him in glory, we'll just plead our lawyer. Now, who can lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. And we find here this blessed verse of scripture with regard to the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have redemption. I'm just starting to understand a little bit about what that word means. It is, we are on the most serious case of slavery. There's no case worse than slavery that was invoked by the fall of Adam in the Garden of Eden. The slavery in the world today cannot even come close to the slavery that we were put in in Adam. The slavery that we had in the United States, as bad as it was, and I still can't understand why it was here, except by the purpose of God, that slavery is, falls so far short of the slavery that we find ourselves in in the scriptures with regard to the fall. But that slavery, as bad as it is, to the very heart and core of our being, we're in slavery to sin and slavery to self and slavery to hell and the grave. That slavery, read with me here in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 14, in whom we have redemption. He's redeemed us. That terrible case of slavery. We've been redeemed, purchased, bought out of it. The effect, even Adam's appearance has been purchased. Everything about it. The Lord Jesus Christ dealt with it. He dealt with it at the cross. There in Colossians chapter 1 verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. In verse 20 of that same chapter, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, once again, absolute and full success, peace with God. We can come in boldly. Our prayers come in boldly. Our appearance before him comes in boldly. There's no reservation. We respect and honor and revere and reverence. But God's children can come to their father at any time, at all time, because of the success of the blood of redemption. And as it says there, we're made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, reconciled to God, made peace. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. We think about the blood of Christ. Those, those saints there in the book of Revelation, they wash their robes in the blood of the Lamb. Every member of the church has had that happen. Been washed in the blood. We do not apply the blood. I don't know how many sermons I heard before I ever heard the message of grace and I was instructed to apply the blood of Jesus to my heart. An impossible situation. It cannot happen. He is in charge of his blood. And he applies it where he wants. And we, by the grace of God, wait in time to have the knowledge that it's been applied. It's been applied in eternity, effectual because of the cross, and we find out about it. But 
he's the one that applies the blood. Here in the book of Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. One more time, when we find his blood, we find success. When we find his blood, we find victory. All the sacrifices throughout the Old Testament are summed up there in that one verse of Scripture, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. That blood, and it's, it's indescribable. The blood of Christ. Blood is indescribable. How in the world does it take our oxygen around? It's absolutely essential for life. How does it do what it does? How does it take oxygen through our nostrils into our lungs, exchange it there, put it in the blood system, and go to all our cells? And why is it that oxygen is necessary? God in his infinite wisdom and determinate counsel and foreknowledge did all that in this miracle of blood this is what was required to redeem his people from their sins it was a statement that jesus christ gave his life a ransom ransom for many gave his life a ransom and he has entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption, will not get to glory and find out, well, <clears throat> and that's where all this mistake comes from, all the things that you have to go through after you die, that people preach the mistake. This is it. We, he has given eternal redemption to his church he has been their complete and total go-between and substitute. And he has laid down his life and he gave us the sign of that life, his blood. And by his blood, he has obtained eternal redemption. Payment price, high price, the life of the son. People in the Old Testament were purchased with coins. People in the in America, purchased with coins. The church was purchased with blood. The blood of Christ. The life of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has taken us away and purchased us. Redeemed us. It's a precious blood. We're not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. But we're redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has purged our conscience. Verse 14 of that verse, uh, chapter Nine, I think it's verse 14. Oh, yes. Yes, verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? He takes that old attitude of works salvation and throws it out. God's people don't have it in them. Oh, we're kind of recovering Pharisees, but we don't have the attitude that we're going to have to work our way to heaven. We're trying to please God. We're trying to add to our sanctification. We're trying to add to our glorification. We're not either. The church couldn't and wouldn't 
They have no interest in it. They believe in the finished work of Christ. The body of Christ believes in the finished work of Christ. He has completed the work. It's totally completed. And here he has, he has purged your conscience from dead works. No more sacrifice for sin. You know what he did for the people that believed in those Old Testament sacrifices? He made them understand. It's not that. What did he do for a New Testament? He says, it's not by works of righteousness which we have done. And they believed it. There's no question. They're not, I wonder if that's true. It is, he has, by his blood, he has purged our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And that's why the church has no interest in those. No interest in them as a means of getting closer to God. Well, if I stop doing that, I'm going to get closer to God. Well, let's just go over and over to the book of 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. 1 John chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light. Now that's the only way the church can walk. He's bringing up. If we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and not the truth. If we say we're walking with him and walk in darkness, we lie. We don't have the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, that's the only way God's people can walk. As he is in the light. We can't walk any other way. Now I'm not saying that we meet sinless perfection. By no means. We have this great tribulation that we deal with every day of our life. But in our spirit that was created in our regeneration. There is an unending following of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship one with another. What does that do for every member of the church? We have fellowship about the blood of Christ. We have fellowship about, the, about salvation in Christ. We have fellowship about the peace we have through the blood of Christ. We have fellowship about being brought nigh by the blood of Christ. We have fellowship with him about being redeemed by his blood. There's fellowship that we have. We don't have to talk about the weather. I read the other day, don't knock the weather. Without it, 98% of the people in the world wouldn't have anything to talk about. <laughs> you know, we don't have to talk about the weather. Now, we do. I realize that. But we have something grander. We have fellowship with Christ in the blood of Christ, this finished work of Christ. Those people over in the book of Revelation are enjoying the fellowship about the finished work of Christ. And it goes on here to say, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his, sin, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. One more time, the blood of Christ means victory. One more time, the blood of Christ means success. One more time, the blood of Christ means hallelujah. One more time, the blood of Christ means we are with Christ and not set aside. It is a redemption that actually is a redemption. He has paid the price in full and has the title deed. And he has given us the earnest of our redemption, the indwelling of the Spirit. 
It is the blood of Christ. Now, one other verse. Would you turn with me to Revelation chapter 1? We read this uh, some time ago and commented on it, but I just want us to look at it again. And this is exactly what those saints are doing in chapter 7. Revelation chapter 1. We have uh, the finished work. The church is purchased with his own blood. And we have this New Testament in his blood. And we have redemption through his blood. And we're made nigh by his blood. And the blood of Christ purges our conscience from dead works. Oh, that is so peaceful. That is so peaceful. I remember telling that one of the first things I shared with someone, a preacher, after the Lord saved me was, you know what? I don't have any fear of the devil anymore. Oh, the devil was doing everything wrong. He was everywhere, doing all that stuff. And the Lord saved me, and I gave me a peace that God is in control of all things. And that old critter is just on a leash, and it's short at that. And I was, you know, you're taught. Uh, Brother uh, uh, brother uh, Wayne shared with me. Oh, and, he, and I think Gene shared it with us. Uh, Brother Wayne used to preach and I heard it too uh, not from him but other preachers devil's over here voting against you God's over here voting for you now it's up to you to make the deciding you know what that does in people's minds put the devil and God on the same plane and that's a lie and secondly it's not truthful the devil never got to be in the vote there's elective grace in Christ Jesus devil wasn't even consulted and you know what? Neither were we. <laughs> or we'd have voted against it. We would have voted against it far worse than Satan would have. God didn't even get them in the mix. He just chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. And he said, that's enough. That's it. Finished work. Now, notice here in Revelation chapter 1 verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us, or loosed us, as some translations say, washed us from our sins in his own blood. He got rid of it with his own blood. When we find the blood of Christ, we find victory. When we find the blood of Christ, we find success. When we find the blood of Christ, we have something to shout about. Now in the Old Testament, oh no, we got to go back today. Oh no, we got to go back today. Oh no, Aunt Matilda's asked us to go down because she's got something to say over a lamb. It was a rigor, a rigor. All of that shed blood didn't redeem one person, didn't redeem one hair that fell out of their head that morning. All that blood pointed to the blood that could, the blood of the Lamb. And those saints over there, they, it says, they came out of great tribulation, have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And then that rest of that chapter just goes on and says, well, here's some more blessings about the Lamb. Here's some more. He feeds us. He waters us. He takes care of every need just like he promised he would. And the church, whether in temptation, whether in persecution, 
or whether in great tribulation, are sustained by God's character and glory. That's the best remedy for every day. Best remedy. I don't think the world's getting much better, but our knowledge of Christ gets better and better and better all the time. And I've said this before, but it's just becoming more and more apparent to me. He is bigger than we thought. And he is better than we thought. And his work is more complete than we thought. It, we just can't get to the conclusion of this. It is grander and more glorious than we ever anticipated. And it gets better the more we see it in the word of God. 